What's up, boys and girls? Thanks for joining us. Steve Willis on episode number 19 of the Fiber Performance Podcast. We're stoked to have Steve with us. Steve and I are old friends from way back in the day. Um, actually, my introduction to CrossFit was walking into the CrossFit gym not knowing what the fuck it was and seeing Steve doing some war balls and some muscle-ups. That was literally... That's what it was. Yeah, that's what it was. I remember going, what's that? What's that fucking thing? And we've also got Maddie Leg here. Um, uh, we've... If you guys have been following along with our podcast, we are the founders of Fiber, and we're going to be just having a good old chinwag about performance, about really anything we can kind of, you know, touch on. But I also want to touch on a bit of old school CrossFit stuff. I want to touch on how you got into that and a little bit of background about you. So maybe just to give it a bit of an intro, um, Steve, can you tell us a little bit about where your, let's just say fitness journey began when mm. it took you to the army and then what you did after that and how you got stuck into a lot of people don't actually know. I'm not, you're not going to probably say it, but I'll make you say it. Steve actually went to the CrossFit Games. was the best placing uh, male and female CrossFitter from Australia for almost probably 12 years. He was ahead of his time. He was fucking crushing it back in 2008, 2009. Um, so he placed fourth at the CrossFit Games. It was 09, yeah? Yeah. 09. So that was like all the boys in the CrossFit scene up until, you know, recently, like in the last probably two or three years have been chasing a better placing than that. And no one has been able to do it um, until, until Ricky got it last year in, in a third place. So uh, Matt, you've held that title for quite a long time. How does it, uh, how, how things have changed? Oh, mate, it's just the evolution of it all. Hey, but um, I guess, you know, back to your um, earlier question, a bit uh, about my background. Uh, I, Grew up in Queensland, kind of got into fitness. Well, I think I was always interested in, in you know, the physical aspect of life more so than anything academic. And um, I was always out and about and, you know, playing team sport and running and all the, the like. And my parents allowed me to start training in a gym at about 13 or 14. So I followed the old three sets of 10, you know, bodybuilding, Arnold Schwarzenegger way, yeah. encyclopedia of bodybuilding, the, all the good stuff. And then um, I joined the military and I actually joined to um, to do a trade as a uh, as a chippy, but I then found myself at the School of Infantry. From School of Infantry, I was posted into a unit that went through a role change, um, which is now known as the Second Commando Regiment. And so went through all the process of selection and God knows how I ever passed that stuff. Honestly, mate, I, I, I look back at it, I talk to mates, I watch some of the stuff and they, they just absolutely beast you. So, you know, Rolling through all of that, you know, being beret qualified and, you know, all the fantastic skills and kind of people that you meet along the way, the camaraderie, you know, the job that it's a job that not very many people get to do or, or even attempt to do in life. So some of the things that I've done and the skill sets that I've gained, um, really the only best explanation is, is watching movies mm. um, for a lot of people. Um, and doing all of that, I thought I was pretty fit. You're kind of at the, the the elite in that space. And so you're thinking what is being provided in a foundation framework to execute that job is at the forefront. And then one day, one of my bosses, who was also a good mate, um, was like, oh, I've come across this website called CrossFit. And they put up these random workouts. And this is back in 2003. Shit. And again, thought I was, you know, fit enough kind of disregarded and about six weeks later he goes mate have you done one of those workouts yet and I was like nah so uh he goes let's do one so we did one in my front yard I think it was took us about 20 minutes I remember there was handstand so just trying to handstand against the side of my house was hard enough <laughs> and it crushed me and I think for about the next hour I lay on the ground just trying to figure out what the hell I'd just done you know weighing up my life weighing up you know everything <laughs> that I'd done to just doing something that had been written you know and 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 taken from a um from a from a website and my curious side i just investigated a little more and really started to throw myself at it and i was leaving the military at that point in time so i found it a really good transition it helped to give me some direction and some focus um and the camaraderie i think that um just the hurt that you experience in crossfit anyone that does crossfit knows um and being able to sustain that and working on the skill sets and improving um, was great for me. Uh, all of that point in time, I, um, I, I 
got into the fitness industry and started working as a trainer in a fitness first. And um, I was fortunate about a year after I'd been, I'd left the military, uh, an opportunity came along for The Biggest Loser. And then uh, I jumped at that and, you know, cutting my teeth with The Biggest Loser and being in front of a camera and all of that stuff was quite daunting. But essentially, you know, behind that and dealing with the individuals or a team as such, you know, people where they're, they felt their lives had utterly fallen apart and they were trying to regain some semblance of it. Um, I um, utilized the CrossFit methodology and it served me well, it served them well. And, you know, season after season, you know, we definitely got into the uh, uh, the final, you know, few um, contestants, if not one. And I really um, put that down to that CrossFit methodology and just being smart enough in being able to adapt that relative to... Um, you know, where a person is at in life, you know, you're not going to throw a whole heap of, you know, really um, complex, movement. complex movements mm-hmm. and, you know, the skill sets, it's more about that baseline, but the mix up of those modalities. Yeah. And, um, yeah. you know, that just that constantly varied component and you're know, going after the intensity side of things. And, you know, in the early days of CrossFit, everything, everyone was blinded by intensity, mm-hmm. you know, and then, you know, through the certs and the like, they, uh, they brought in that, kind of that caveat around intensity or what is high intensity and, you know, being relative both physically and mentally and, you know, the rest is uh, your history in that regard. Yeah. So I had a very similar experience, almost identical to you. I came from a football background. I was young. I was only 20 at the time. A friend of mine, actually I was probably 19 when I first had my first stab at it. It was that 300 workout that got thrown around for ages. Yeah, the Spartan. The Spartan, Spartan 300 movie. for the Spartan movie. And I was 19. I was in the gym. I had a PT come up to me at a Genesis. Mm. And he said to me, mate, I see you getting in here. You're doing deadlifts. You're doing lots of pull-ups. You like to run. I said, this workout would be perfect for you. It's a race. It's this workout. And you've got to race through the workout. I was like, what the fuck is that? I was like, three sets of 10, three sets of eight, bench press, you know, do my pull-ups. Um, never trained like that before. He gave me this workout. And he said, mate, just have a crack. There's a time to beat. And the time to beat is whoever that uh, Gerard, Gerard, Butler. Oh, yeah, the guy who like, kind of starred in that movie. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the main fella. And he was like, yeah, he's got a time of like, 11, 11 minutes and 25 seconds. He goes, oh, I think you'd have a good crack. I was like, yeah, have a crack. Mate, I sent it on that workout. I think I got 11, oh, sorry, I got 14 minutes and 42 seconds. Yeah, right. And I- That actor was legitimate. Oh, he was fit. Yeah, he was fit. Yeah, apparently they used to do it on a weekly basis. You know, yeah. they had been exposed, never been exposed. I was like learning all these movements. I was yeah. doing like strict pull-ups and whatnot. And yeah, man, I remember walking through the shopping center and I had to take a seat after it. I was walking through the shopping center trying to get home and I just remember thinking, what the fuck just happened to me? I just, I can't function. It's like my brother was trying to talk to me and he was, I'm just like, dude, just give me like five minutes. I just can't function. This is half an hour later and I didn't know yeah, what had hit yeah. me. So move, like leading on from finishing up in the forces and then moving into being a trainer, mm. did you see the 2007 CrossFit Games and thought, I want to have a crack at that? And the 2008 CrossFit Games, I want to have a crack at that. And then eventually decided, you know, I'm going to go in. When did you go kind of like more to the point where you're like, you know what, I'm just going to bite the bullet. I'm going to go over to Aromas and have a crack. Yeah, well, I was, um, you know, in the, in the thick of it and, um, you know, working in, in a fitness first and, and utilizing or training people using the, the CrossFit methodology and fitness first wasn't too happy with me. Um, and a client that I had um, had a where he had his um, his warehouse. The guy next door um, was a builder. Had half his warehouse coming up for lease. So we kind of worked it out. And I in two thousand and eight moved into um, into that space. And a mate I'd served within the army, Mick Shaw. We kind of went in together and we created CrossFit Effects, which you know, was pretty much one of the first CrossFit gyms in Australia. CFX. And yeah, yeah, that's the one you you first went to. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah, that's and, where I walked um, into. So, in yeah, you know, it was only what three years, four years, kind of into the industry. You're still trying to build yourself and and build that client base. But at the same time, I was doing a lot of the workouts um, that were being put up. I mean, and I think it's still the same way with CrossFit.com. You know, the workout of the day is put up. You know, people do it. They put their times and, and whether they did it as RX and the like. So you're going after that. And then, you know... It feeds you. Fe- hey? It feeds you. It feeds you. That's right. But there wasn't the phones and, and the ability to capture all of that stuff back then. And I think at the original CrossFit in Santa Cruz, which I was fortunate enough to visit in... Um, 
I think it was 07. Um, they would film them, uh, film them, and you had uh, um, Annie Sakamoto doing them, yeah. and, and Greg Amundsen, and things like that. And you're like, man, I'm I'm pulling times that are very similar to all these guys. And that was kind of that 07, 08. And then, you know, the CrossFit Games kind of you know, came onto the scene in 07. I just wasn't in a place to go over. Yeah. And then uh, then 08, and I thought around that 08 stage, I've got to um, I've got to have a crack at this. So I just, I don't know what I, I just kind of made that that decision. This is what's going to happen. And, um, and then went after it. And... Yeah, through the whole there wasn't well, there was some sectionals, I was a about bit to, of a regional. I was about like to and say, I, mate, I, I I had a mindset back then that I would, um, yeah, I don't know. It was a lot different to what it is nowadays. But you you probably got to see it from the outside looking in. For me, I would do anything to beat you. Yeah, like in the regards of mate, they're just I, I from from the word go, um, from the judge or the like. I had this mentality that I was going to break you from the start. Yeah, so I, remember I heard one, this actually. <laughs> and one workout, because we're all going to hurt. Yeah. So my, it's like a motorbike on the starting line, you know, you, 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 you wind it up, you know, you're giving it some revs and then you just dump that clutch and off you go. Yeah. And you want to break away so that the thought, well, this is my crazy mind, the thought in their mind is he's five, seven, 10 reps in front and I'm already hurting. How the fuck am I going to make that up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm done. I'll and take second. Thanks. Yeah, and um, that was just, you know, how, how I went after it. And, you know, as anyone that's competed in CrossFit, you know, even on in a daily sense, you know, with themselves, the, um, that, uh, that are, the skill sets, there's certain things that we're not so good at. And um, I... I guess the psychology behind that, you know, when they step up to the starting line is there's a bit of a defeatist when they mentality because they see a certain skill that they may not be that great at or they know others are better at and they've already put the handbrake on yeah. rather than just kind of let shit fly and just yeah. go hell for leather. So and on the other side, it would be if someone's an expert and this is the one event that they reckon they're going to win and get their points out of and they see you take off like a maniac, then it would totally change their game plan. It does mm. it actually make them second guess? Them? I'm going to go hard on them. Well, you you play and you you know yeah. you push, yeah. you make them catch you, you pull back a little bit, and then they blow themselves up, yeah. and then you just and then you come home. Oh, All yeah. these certain skills you may be better on. You know, mm. I remember one workout with the the rower in the um in the the regionals, and I, I always knew I was strong in a rower. You'd have to be pretty good to to beat me at it. And I think it was. Um, it was burpees, pull-ups, and rows, three rounds, 21, 15, 9, or something like that. At the race course? Oh, no, that was 2010. Yeah, okay. And yeah. Mick and I programmed that. I had a knee injury that year. Yeah, but yeah blokes were crying because they couldn't oh, even so overhead. Yeah, so, so hang on. Let me get, I so didn't get to compete. Injury, you didn't get to compete. Yeah. You got to write the program that yeah. people cry. Yeah. And, uh, but but it, was more, <laughs> it was more the effort that they put in. Yeah. I remember we one of them, there was, it was, we made them run the race course. Oh, yeah. wow. And, you know, anyone walked on a race course you know with horses run the grasses like that yeah yeah it's rough rough right yeah, yeah. people are crushed yeah so uh, going so what we do now in in comparison to what used to happen back in the day for those of you who don't know at the moment we have the open if you make the top 10 percent in your region mm. you get to go through to quarterfinals if you make quarterfinals so the open is done over three weeks you do three workouts you make the top 10 percent if we have nine thousand people compete in australia the top 900 go through to quarters male and female. Then from there, you move to quarters. That's over a weekend. I think there's four workouts or five workouts over a weekend you have to complete between Friday and Sunday. If you then make the top 30 in your region, you then go to semifinals, which is like the nationals. Mm. From there, if you make the top three, then you go to the World Games. And then the World Games is what Steve and I have competed at. Back then, when you were getting after it, what was the process of qualifying for the CrossFit Games in 2009? So I think there was like sectionals, regionals, and then it was games. Yeah. So for the sectionals, I actually heard us. So sectionals was done at the gyms, right? Mm. And then you did a uh, then you did a meet where the gyms got together and had a crack. Yeah. I heard a story. I heard a story that there was a sand dune run. Oh yes. Were you there? No, I wasn't. But I got this from secondhand information. But I heard that you dominated the sand dune run. Well, mate, I, 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 I always right? always back myself 
in that those type of events. Not so much the endurance side, but I always knew I was quite strong um, in the sand. And you know, I'm, I'm 95 kilos at best, and you know, there's a lot of guys that were com- I was competing against that were in the 60 something kilos, 70. Mm. So I thought, mate, I've got to give it my all to, to beat these little freaking... Whippets. Whippets, yeah. yeah. And um, I just remember putting my... my uh, Headphones e- in. Headphones in, ears in. I don't even know. I was running a little whatever they had at that point in time. Yeah, yeah. And I had Lamb of God playing. Anyone heard <laughs> Lamb of God? It's heavy. And, um, mate, I turned it up so I couldn't hear anybody else. Yeah. And um, I couldn't even really hear my own thoughts. And when they called go, I just took off. Yeah. You know, I think it was about two, two and a half Ks in the sand. Running, and, yeah. and I just, yeah, killed myself. And if anyone has run Cronulla Sand Dunes, they know how fucking hard it is. Yeah. It's a rough... It's it a two laps. It's a rough old trot, yeah. I think it was two laps of what they call a Mexican. So the Mexican was um, um, down to the water. It was up over a hill, down, up over another hill, then up a big-ass hill. Then you ran along kind of the peak of that back around, kind of flattened out, then you ran back down to the water and did a second lap of that. No shit. Yeah, and, um, that's rough. Yeah, so then I thought, I've got this one. So when I showed up in America and the first event was a um, was a 7K hill run. Oh, yeah, I've had an experience and in that one. That that absolutely crushed me. Yeah. yeah. That put me on my place. Yeah. Wow. That was... Um, Similar, similar that was experience. One of the toughest events. Jason Kalipa passed out on that run. Yeah, he got dead last. Head on yeah, the ground. yeah, he got dead last. And the way that they ran the games that year was a reverse starting sequence. So if you finished in last, you started the next event first. Oh, okay. So Jason Kalipa yeah. pretty much knocked himself out. Yeah, he stumbled across the line, and within half an hour, he's lined up for the uh, for the deadlift ladder. Yeah. Oh wow. So funny thing is the good like the really cool aspect I guess where I started was I started in 2011 as absolute novice had no idea what I was doing didn't know it was a thing you could compete in. But then in 2016 my rookie year we went to Aromas and we redid that day. So yeah, wow. we actually went there we did the 7k trail run and then we did the reverse starting order and did did the deadlift yeah. and then we took I think the following uh, maybe the following days and we put it. So I think we did the first two days in the first day of our competition and holy shit, that run was trash hard. It was fricking, it bent me like, and I went there thinking I was a good runner. I was like, yeah, I'm going to, I don't know what it is. I I'm going to crush it. I think it's just the acclimatization being in another country. Oh, like Hot, my, dusty. My, yeah. My legs absolutely blew, blew up. up. I yeah. haven't, haven't run. I haven't. Was start. So that was how they started the event. Mate, yeah, so I, yeah. So I went out thinking yeah. there was Chris Spiel. I was running against like all those here, Jason Kalipa, even Pat Barber was in there. Yeah. Pat Sherwood. And um, uh, Miko was Miko. Miko Saylor ended up winning that year. Um, oh, there was heaps of, you know, well-known CrossFit names, you know, in that. Um, Josh, was Josh there? Josh Everett? Josh Everett was there. You know, we're all, you know, myself, Josh, and I think a few other, um, OPT. Yeah, OPT. We're all you know, very similar age in, um, in that regard. And, yeah, it was um, Just Jeremy. Right. Jeremy who, who, from, uh, he's down in Texas, Jeremy. Oh, I can't remember his surname. But, yeah, um, wow. Such a blast from the past. I remember that event just, I thought, oh, yeah, here's, I should take, I should try and take a top five here. I got freaking buckled and I took 26th place. And I walked away from that thinking, what just yeah, happened? Yeah, very, very similar in placing. I think it was 30, yeah. 30 something. Yeah. And I couldn't understand. And then I didn't do one deadlift warm up. And the first deadlift I pulled because I was too trash, I was lying on the ground like dying. And everyone was just like, I, I, I remember yeah, seeing yeah. Brent Fikowski after the event and I said, Hey bro, how'd you go? He goes, I can't talk. I think I'm dying. And he's like, I've got to go to medical. <laughs> he's just trashed. Yeah. And, and then he's, you got to do a full event. Like then you got all the other yeah. workouts after that. Yeah. And that, well, that was the thing. Cause as a rookie, you go in there and you're just like, you know, this is my opportunity to put something on display and you want to go there and you want to. You're a good runner. Yeah. Well, I yeah. thought I was, but what <laughs> the, the, the issue, the thing that, the thing, the thing that I fucked up with that season yeah. was my rookie season was that we wanted to work on all of the things that I sucked at. So I worked on all of my things that I wasn't good at, oh, yeah. neglected all the things that I was good at. So you become mediocre. So I became things. shit at everything. Oh, that's amazing. And that's a, that's a problem that a lot of people do. I'm, I never forget we used to, for work, because I'm not an athlete or military or anything, but for work stuff, we always used to do these like personality traits and work out what our skill set is and what our deficiencies are. You know, every time someone said the whole purpose of this 
is to actually work out what you're good at and get better at it. <laughs> but I couldn't, all I could ever see was the stuff that come in as a deficiency. Mm. And honestly, no matter what anyone said, I worked on the deficiencies to build them up because I wanted mm. to be good at everything. Mm. And then I realized that I started sucking at the things that I was good yeah. at. And then I'm still, after all that work, I still sucked at the things I wasn't good at. And then everything kind of sucked. Yeah. And then it took like a couple of years of, these things to go okay now i'll focus on what i'm good at yeah except the fact that you can't and, be good at everything and you want to kill a punch when you get onto the field you do want an event where you go you know what i'm going to wipe the floor in this event and i'm going to just try and hold on for the for the other ones yeah. so when you were competing how big I, I think back in the day there was pretty big on zone diet paleo were you yeah. following anything like that back in the day yeah pretty much the zone zone at um at that point just that breakdown of the old Proteins, yeah. carbs, and fats, yeah. mate, and the yeah. ratio. And it was, I was, I was, um, whole food based and all that type of stuff. Yeah, like definitely eating whole good, food eating based. good, yeah, eat, eating well, and the like. And and again, it was this is what CrossFit kind of promotes, and not not just taking it on um, face value or you know just through you know someone else saying this is what you should do, like you're doing your own investigation, you know, your anecdotal kind of um, research, and using yourself as the um, the guinea pig for it all and yeah it, it was working well for me but the thing to remember too i competed how old are you 32 32 yeah i was 33 when i competed shit so i'd left the the army at um you know, 29 30 years of age and you know kind of was cutting my teeth you know in that whole crossfit side of things um at that age and that's where i was like hell and you hear it from people time and time again they're like, why wasn't I doing this when I was younger? But now you see so many youngsters doing it and what they're seeing as the norm, they're just exceeding that because they're lifting and outlifting, you know, those that are in those in that space already at those younger ages, because they're a blank canvas. Yeah. You know, that that neural adaptation, their their mobility and range of movement, you know, hasn't been compromised because you've played a team sport and had the crap beat out of you or, you know, done you know, things like I've done and in the military and injuries and the, and the like in that regard. And they're just, they're weapons. Mm. Well, that's that was what we were talking about the other day. We think that people, so like yourself and like OPT and all the other boys there, they came into it from, you know, 10, 10 12 years of doing a profession of some type. And then they got into this thing that was CrossFit mm. and everyone was kind of, excelling in the space you know in early 30s mid 30s mm. and now it's like okay then some people jumped into it around 18 19 excelled quite quickly then they were you know busting onto the scene at 22 23 24 now you've got girls um only girls really not so many fellas there was a couple of guys who were quite young 2021 20, breaking on the scene and doing well but the girls we had a girl recently 18 years old and just placing top 10 in the world yeah. so these boys and girls are coming through only knowing the sport of CrossFit and they're learning from the, a young age the basics of gymnastics, weightlifting technique, movement, spatial awareness, uh, their cardiovascular endurance is insane. And then you're going to find all these. They don't have to unlearn all that stuff. Exactly. Either. All the other stuff to relearn this. Yeah. So there's technique to be more concentrated or something like you've got to unlearn mm. a lot. Your stiffness. How to get your body under a bar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and the other Portion. Sounds like I've done it. Done yeah. Well, hey, you're on. You're on yeah. point, mate. Well, mate, isn't it? It's like it's like the t-shirt wearers, mate. You, 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 you know, yeah. you associate. Yeah, like, yeah. You, you're a part of it. Yeah, I'm watching. I'm yeah, yeah. Cheerleader. <laughs> we got to get into in a class. Should see my cheerleader outfit speaking of teeth. Oh, mate. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that we thought about as well with this is that we're hoping that the people that do jump into CrossFit and then become very, very good at CrossFit from a young age and they start, you know, when they're nine, ten years old and have a crack and then be, you know get good enough to go to the games they're not missing out on playing that was the other thing because they might not get the hand-eye coordination stuff they might not get the ball passing the agility work that you may get because it's very box orientated maybe if it does progress they're outside the gym a little bit more but i remember when i first i thought i was late to the party in 2011 i thought i was so late i was like all right i wish i started this in 2007 or 2008 and i you know did it when i first had a crack but looking back it's kind of early, I guess, early days. But the good thing that I think happened um, for myself and probably for yourself and Maddie, you played footy too, is that we were exposed to 
uh, we're, we're exposed to rugby league. We're exposed to swimming in the ocean. We we're exposed to athletics. We we're exposed to all these different sports. And now I'm hoping the kids that do come through still get some type of exposure because there's a lot of skills to be gained that you may not specifically get in CrossFit. Yes, we're working the modalities of these fitness elements, but to what degree? You know, when we talk about gymnastics in, in CrossFit, the gymnastics that we're performing, that's like four-year-old, five-year-old. It's entry-level yeah, gymnastics. Yeah. It's nothing like what they're doing at, you know, for the for the ladies uh, at, you know, 13 years old when they're kind of at their peak, 13, 14, 15 yeah. years old. And for the guys, you know, you're more so peaking around, you know, early, early 20s and even into your 30s, you know, when we're as strong as we possibly can be. Um, but from there, how have you seen the progression... How have you seen the progression from say 2010 ish all the way through to now? And do, how do you think someone from back then would stack up against the fellas these days? Oh, man. Like say Kalipa 09 or say even like Kalipa 08, you know, Miko 09, chuck him in the field in some workouts. Do you think they still take some of the boys for a run? Or very specific? Do you think well, it was more specific? Oh, this, I think there's just too many factors to um to bring into the equation mm. like it's and, and a lot of it is limiting too because what we thought was groundbreaking and at the, the pinnacle of, of what could be achieved in the you know just physiologically even I, I think psychologically the ability to bear and deal with was um was how could it get much better than this yeah but i money attention um, and the more money and attention there is the more something grows because where where you've got all that energy you know kind of focusing in and that's what's yeah that's what's happened mm. and um, you, you, you heard back in the early days with listening to what you were just saying how CrossFit first came about was more about the foundation side of things to support sport and and you know first responders and all those other types of things it was more about you know fortifying the essence of what it means to be human and to be able to then perform on top of that mm. whereas now it's a as sport, it is, it's a sport in and of itself mm. and um you know being at crossfit you can only do one crossfit workout a day the human body can only sustain you know that type of effort and, you know the programming of three on one off and mate how many times a day were you trained well, peak peak volume phase, we were doing track session in the morning for 90 minutes. You might be running mile repeats for, yeah, and 75 to 90 minutes. And then you'd go straight to the gym. You'd clock a two-hour session. You might hit, you know, three strength pieces, two Metcons and an accessory piece, come back in the afternoon and repeat that again. Yeah, and, you know, see, that's just the level of, of uh, professionalism that is brought to it and the need and necessity to um, be able to, you know, build those capacities. Whereas you know, in my day, it was, it was, um, you'd hit the one, you know, kind of met kind of day. You might do a bit of lifting mm. here and there, you know, do a bit of mobility. And because mobility, but everyone was like, what's this shit? And um, I mean, I remember trying to coach, it. I remember trying to coach mobility session at CFX yeah. thinking, I was like, these guys' first day in their mobility, this mobility session program. And I've got yeah. two newbies and I'm just like, guys, we're going to do some keg drills. <laughs> like, that is yeah. like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, I know. And, um, and then just yeah, it's just the evolution of it all, mm. and um, you know you've 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 got to be able to outwork to a degree the next, and and you know, as we were saying earlier on, there's strengths and weaknesses, and as important as it is to um, to hone the, uh, hone in on those weaknesses and kind of plug them, um, you've got to you've got to advance your um, the things that you're good at too, so that there's that there's that belief, and it just helps with that drive that. That um, that level of determination, that that will, that want, you know, look, all of those things, you know, and um, when you you need to be assertive, it's it's there for you. Because mm, mm. I think that's what a lot of people in the mainstream miss about you know those that are the elite of anything is the depth and degree they're willing to go to. Mm, yeah, and not, but not just in an output sense. Yeah, they will dial in on everything. Now, as we're all talking about now, sleep, yeah, yeah. you know, the nutrition side of things, um, my mobility, my range of movement, my neural facilitation, like how everything is just so integrated mm. and important. Yeah. yeah. And for that, like, so in terms of nutrition, 
for me for a long time, Matt's been helping me with protocols to try and get the most out of my body in the most natural way possible. So for me, it was like, okay, I want to, I want to learn as much as I can. So going to the nth degree and everything, I was like, how can I improve my sleep? Like, okay, it needs to be dark. It needs to be silent. It needs to be cool. It needs to be, <laughs> needs to be clean. Okay. That's my sleep. Okay. Now let's look at water. Where can I get the best water from? Yeah. Okay. Now nutrition, Give, Matt, tell me the best way to fuel this thing. And so for you, Matt, you've, you've been helping bodybuilders in the past mm. to build more muscle. Then you've also, your first product was a CrossFit product back yeah. in the day. Tell yeah. us a bit about well, how you see CrossFitters utilizing energy these days, as opposed to a bodybuilder, for instance. The funny thing is, is that first product that you refer to as a CrossFit product was originally made to treat chronic fatigue syndrome and fibromyalgia in my naturopath clinic. Then I had some mates with race horses. And then I decided if it works on the chronic fatigue people, it'd be interesting to see what happens with horses and dogs and that sort of stuff. So we started experimenting with it and then started obsessing a lot over acid-based systems and redox, you know, like using lactic acid or working out when it's a waste and who it's a waste in and when it's actually used as a fuel. And then we made those products. And, yeah, I went, did some phase through bodybuilders, but that was based on the fact that they were harder to kill and cheaper to replace than the horses. <laughs> so when I did my experiments, bodybuilders are a great target for that because you can't even make them sick, the stuff that they do. And then it takes all these things and you get some decent data. Then the CrossFitters, I started working with some good CrossFitters. Like um, Andrea Miller was one of my favourite. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, Rebecca. She was obsessed with measuring and documenting everything. And, yeah. Um, Jess Cogler, a few of these people yeah. that were good, you know, that I used to work with um, to actually collect some data and everything like that. I started realising that the, the same, what CrossFit was amazing for is that it was that holistic system in the sense that we had to manage anxiety levels, we had to manage a series of events. Like it wasn't that these people compete for an hour or do a half hour workout that mm. I can take your medicine here and then in an hour it'll peak and yeah. then in an hour and a half it's all gone and we can get that window right because you're going to do another event, another event, another event. Also what we discovered with the bodybuilders is where they wanted vasodilators. That was the absolute enemy for CrossFit because as soon as you get too much pump, you lose your reps. Yeah. You can't actually do the reps. You might have the strength, the ability and all that stuff, but you're just too engorged yeah. in the muscles. Um, get off a bike and then try to run when you've done a vasodilator and your whole lower back and legs don't even work. Concrete. Um, yeah, yeah. I used to develop a lot of other products like rehydration products and that where the marketing guys got involved and insisted this is the healthy sugar fructose or something. Magnesium is the only healthy electrolyte. Everything else is salt and bad for you. And these people like green apple splatters and diarrhea and all this gut stuff. So overall, those experimenting and that sort of stuff, we've ended up where we are now where we've learned so much about how to actually make a formula that suits Genuine, genuine cellular energy that allows people to do wads over a whole weekend, like just back-to-back -back events with rest periods and that without having to actually strategize caffeines and electrolytes and sugars within very specific windows where we can just genuinely support someone. And the thing I like about it is it works in with what you guys have all been doing to build up your resilience and basically become get positive adaptation from your training we were talking yesterday like about breathing and mm. we were talking about breathing and that the other day and see these people doing the cold plunges and all these sort of things. So one of the big features around that is is basically stressing yourself but allowing yourself to be in a position where you'll get that positive adaptation from that. So you'll actually deprive yourself of oxygen is one thing, but if you deprive yourself of oxygen and panic and freak out and all that sort of stuff, then that creates a stress and that stress could be catabolic and bad. You deprive yourself of oxygen, but then you maintain your composure. You actually let your body know that this is not that stressful for me, that I can actually do this. Then mm. your body have a, have a positive adaptation where you make more energy warehouses per cell, which then allows you to use the waste that you'd normally be building up where your body's going, I've got to As in. breathe, get this acid out of my body. And it actually goes, man, I'm going to utilize this acid because he's not breathing. So I'm going to take some of this acid and drive it back in to the Krebs cycle, use it as a source of energy. It's amazing, eh? Yeah, mm -hmm. and our body, you will adapt that ability to do it if you do those things that put yourself into that stressful situation, but you have the nutrition, you have the mental capacity, the nervous system capacity to actually have a positive adaptation, and you do those things, you get better and better from it. Those same things given to someone else without the intention could be labelled as trauma, and they've never been the same.
You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can adapt positively. So I was about to say, with yeah, the military, yeah. like you have to be, you're in a very stressful, high, high demand situation and you've got to make precise decisions that at the end of the day might result in yours or somebody else's, yeah. you know? And, 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 and the life I've lived and everything that I've done, a lot of reading and educating myself, but nothing to the degree of like what you've done. You actually do but just, but just, but Yeah, but just even listening to what you say and, and that whole um, piece around breath work and, and the like and stress and, and from my personal experiences and what they teach you in the army and, and what you're selected on as well, where people think it's very much a physiological um, space is actually awareness. Yep. And that's the big difference in most things where there's a positive um, effect from it or a negative effect is based in your awareness of what you're doing at any given point in time in the environment that you're in. Mm -hmm. And I remember what they used to call a CQB course, so close quarter battle. And, you know, in very confined spaces, you know, very precise, you know, shooting and all that type of stuff. So hostage terrorist type situations. And, um, I remember being taught it and, and put through my paces and I was rolling with some like hard hitters, like guys who were fit, you were, who were on song and things like um, you'd be given a, a brief, you're not to shoot, shoot through an open door and you get to that open door and someone would see a target on the other side of it and that reaction yeah. and lack of awareness of what and, re, and recalling or remembering that um, what it is that they've got to do, they shoot through an open door. Mm. That's strike one. Yeah. Yeah. Lack of awareness. Strike two, you're gone. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And you could you could be removed completely. And they get you into a position of fatigue and Yeah, stress. exactly. So that's what they do. Yeah. Physiologically, psychologically, you know, all those things, sleep deprivation, yeah. food deprivation, you know, all that good stuff. Yeah. Which just creates a um a a, a place that everyone's equal. Yeah. But you know an interesting that's thing. They've done some recent data on these things like these lactic acid, these metabolic wastes. Turns out that lactic acid is one of the best triggers for your memory. So, for example, what happens... That's probably if, why I, in my life I've always pushed myself so much because I'm actually comfortable yeah, in there. that space. Yeah. When you learn the best, when you're actually in a state of fatigue, when you're in a state of lactic acid, when you're in your, your ability to concentrate, focus and that sort of stuff is kind of heightened to a certain degree. But that's when we actually learn muscle memory gut instincts and intuition and our innate survival responses as opposed to the ability to study and learn. You learn the ability to have quick reflexes and things like that, but in a state of lactic acidosis is the best way to actually imprint muscle memory, technique and form, which is why through the military, through CrossFit, through a lot of these things, you put yourself into that state of exhaustion and fatigue where you'd be almost running on nervous energy, but then force yourself to actually learn a technique like pull a gun apart, put it back together yeah. and those sort of things. And then that stuff lives with you forever. You go back into that state of exhaustion, stress, fatigue, and bang, it's and it a become, quick recall. Yeah, it becomes, becomes an easy circuit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the body just knows then, all the yeah. mind, like everything, the system. Yeah, yeah, that's super interesting. I, uh, I We were driving yesterday in the car. We drove from Sydney. We landed here in Sydney, drove to Newey and back down to coach a class at, at your gym, Steve. And we were in traffic and it, truck had pulled over and I thought he was coming right for me and I immediately I saw it out the corner of my eye and I had this shot shoot of I don't know what it was a pump of adrenaline or something but I had a shoot from my wrist all the way up into the back of my head and I saw it and I immediately like twitched and I felt this feeling of like adrenaline hit me and Matt was like yeah I saw that coming but I didn't move and I was just like <laughs> I was just like, oh, he goes like that. Would I would have been toast then? I was just like, I had something come over me. I was just like, react quick. Something was something's going on. Like, like that goat, you know, the goat gets skinned. <laughs> and I was like, literally, I went from, I, I went from just having just a plain old conversation to be on like high alert. But yeah. I don't know whether I'm just running on adrenaline at the moment because we're so busy. <laughs> but that's super interesting. So. For you, for you now, Steve, now you've kind of, you're, you're now, you've got a gym um, and I've been in the gym game as well for a long, long time. You've got a gym um, here in Sydney and you're coaching, coaching people and you're essentially doing CrossFit 
um, to a degree and you're teaching people what they want to come in and get out of it. Um, have you found that the base level of people you were coaching in 2007, 2006, 2007, 2008 has now risen or are you still finding that majority of people or do you think it's just an exposure thing? Majority of people are still coming from a baseline of, you know, not really understanding at the moment spatial awareness, but are picking it up or are you finding that the base level of just human capacity has slightly risen since then or do you feel like it's still a wide spectrum? Oh, it's definitely still a wide spectrum. I think, you know, even in, in that space, you know, we're talking 15 years, even back then we're probably a little bit just tougher, a bit more resilient, but we didn't have the understanding. Sure. And that understanding, it's become... Um, has come along with it being part of the norm, you know. The, and we we're saying it, you know, like outside of sport and the like, it's it's the new human way of expressing themselves is to to go into a gym. It's like a cafe. There's a bloody gym on every corner, mm. and people don't feel like their or their well being and fitness journey um, includes the membership and crossing that or into that threshold in a gym. You know, to go out and exercise or do something in a park and the like. Is isn't mm. isn't the norm? Well, not yeah. not the norm, but um, it's it's that. It's oh, not, how do I say? This? I know it's, what you mean. It's like the it's, the way what fire. Like I've got to lift weights. I've mm. got to work at a high intensity. I've got to do these things to deem myself fit mm. or healthy. Mm. You know, eating well. You know, looking after myself, taking the dog for a walk, going for a walk on the beach. You know, just interacting in nature um, probably isn't. Um, recognized or, or held that the value of it or, or the depth and degree mm. um, of it is um, the weight isn't there like you mm. would if you've got a barbell in your hands or some dumbbells and you know you got your ass hanging out you know mm. alongside you know 20 other people yeah. in the class yeah that but, makes- but but it's coming around as well like we're connecting back to that and and realizing how important sunlight is and mm. you know even with just um sleeping and the like and you know the, the the whole system yeah i think that's pretty important thing and for for us on the podcast and matt talks about this all the time this holistic system and how we express and how our epigenetics are expressing through just the population we're trying to we're trying to optimize that the best way we can and we know that if we are exposed to nature we're exposed to good quality water we're feeding ourselves with good quality whole food um you know we don't really tell anyone not to eat a particular thing but just add more variety um that's kind of the where we're trying to push people to set a set a foundation of particular parameters that you kind of just stick within don't make it too complicated in one in one aspect but just say you know Optimize nutrition, optimize hydration, optimize sleep, optimize the people you hang out with on a daily basis because you will be that product. You'll be the average of the people you hang around with. And if you are hanging around with shitty people, you will be a shitty person essentially. And if you're hanging around with good people that are bringing you up and, you know, building you up and people that are smart and people that are fit, you will probably be smart and fit. You know, that's, that's the key. And so I think you're definitely the social aspect is something that I always tried to make sure I never lost sort of uh, like so, uh, side of, um, especially when I was getting deep into training solo so much. I was like, I need to make sure I'm hanging around with smart and healthy people. And the instant I went and started training with Tia, you know, I instantly got fitter. I instantly got fitter. I was pushing, I was pushing myself harder. I was learning new techniques. I was getting pumped up about sessions more than I ever was. So definitely surrounding yourself with people that build you up, make you feel fucking good oh, is where yeah. you want to be. Now, probably final question. Have you ever had any fire to jump back on the competition floor? <laughs> oh, definitely. Time and time again, I find I struggle even watching. And <laughs> yeah. I think and I think that's, you know, the age that I got into it, you know, s- certain um, opportunities that came my way and I had to make a choice. And, you know, for me, doing some television stuff with Biggest Loser and the like, I, I kind of chose that path, you know, over CrossFit. Although I still... We still had the gym and I was still, you know, training myself, utilising that methodology. But you just, I just couldn't put the time in for my own training to, to be anywhere near competitive. Um, you know, gosh, I'm 40, I'll be 47 now. So like it's, the, I think I, if I knuckle down and, and I um, put the, the time aside to do it, I could definitely be relatively competitive in, in the age group that mm. I'd be in. Mm. But um, you know, there's a few things I need to sort out and, it, and it's life, it's responsibilities. There's, mm. I, 
it used to be the be all and end all for me. Yeah. Like I, I was so dedicated and committed and psycho about it. Like, mate, I'd, I'd, I'd dream about it. I'd dream about it. Like, it was just mm. consumed me. Mm. But I've also got kids. There's business. There's partner. There's so many other things, you know, plates spinning that um, need attention and time that, um, yeah. not Your priorities. Not right, yeah, yeah, priorities. Not right at this minute. But, yeah, every time, you know, I went down to the, what was it, that one, the the... the Oh, down under, down under, down under, yeah. Yeah, no, you just you get the bug. Yeah, you just yeah, like, you're far out. I don't want to be out there. I want to. I don't want to be sitting in the damn bleachers watching people. Like yeah. I want to be out there hurting with yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, well, I'll put this to you. Oh, here we go. I'll put this to you. Would you consider doing a local partner comp with me in the next six months, twelve months? <laughs> like oh, six months. 18 months you can set no, up protocols you set up protocols yeah yeah we'll set protocols I know I need and that's something that I you know, and that's you know, just listening today is you know that understanding and you asked me the question before nutrition like you know early days not for myself not really knowing too much about it and you know the things that you're taught you know CrossFit kind of promoting the um, those zone principles but it's it's so far you know, down the rabbit hole on all of that stuff and our understanding nowadays. Mm. And it's not something that I've like tuned in on. Mm. And it's been a bit more, you know, the umbrella around it all for, um, yeah, for myself, but also the people that, that come into our gym. And, um, you know, some people need a little bit more specificity and help in those areas than others. Others can kind of take what it is that you present them and you say to them and, and, you know, run with that but um i think at the end of the day it's um it's the ability to just all right this needs attention and i'm going to afford this much attention to it and go after it mm-hmm. but also be consistent and patient that's it i, I can't agree with that more. And patient yeah. everyone wants it yesterday yeah and and then when it doesn't happen oh, it doesn't work mm. yeah yeah, like, yeah. Right. And, and what more can you do and i've realized now that i'm older too you just got. You just got to let them. You just got to let it go. Mm, yeah. I agree. You, you, you I just got to focus on those that are, and and yourself that you know that are willing to do the work, yeah. and just let the others pass by. Yeah, because we, you can't save everybody. No. Well, we say that all the time. If you do the basics extremely well, yes, the one percenters do count at the end of the day. If you want to nudge that one or two percent better, three percent better. But if you're the most consistent worker in the room and you're doing the basics freaking well, mm. you'll probably be elite in whatever category or profession you want to be good in. But just be the best fucking person at consistency yeah. every day. And that's it's what I'm holistic. Everything's holistic because I mean, everything's holistic whether you believe it or not. Because some people will come out and say, oh, this product is going to – this this one supplement or this one herb is going to make you elite. You know, It's going to be able to achieve all these things. But then when they come back and say it doesn't work – then they go, oh, yeah, but how are you sleeping and what are you eating? You know, first yeah. they didn't want to be, so you're either holistic at the front or you're using it as an excuse for a lack of result at the end. So if you want holistic, if you want results, you need to have that whole holistic campaign, which is where you need that commitment and dedication to your lifestyle, but you also handy to work with people that actually can guide you through the process and mm-hmm. let you know when it's a good thing or a bad thing and teach you how to stress your body but become positively adapted rather than stress your body and then break. Mm. And that's, yeah. that's uh, I think we've become two things that I, I reiterate all the time for myself and to clients or those that are willing to listen is don't always be waiting for direction. Recognize how much we sit around waiting for direction. People get on social media to, to find direction, to read the quote of the day. Like, mate, your Instagram should be your life. You should be able, you should be living what you, you know, like what you're, you know, in that regard, like yeah. I don't need to be on social media and do all that to get my sense of fulfillment and, and, and my joy and my happiness, like bring that into your everyday. Mm. And the other one is allow your awareness to be your guide to intensity. Mm. What does that, what do you mean by that? Because people, we're so, especially the Western culture, we're so driven by output yeah. that they, we believe that, Anything beneficial can only be found in output. Yeah, right. Yeah, because you need and, to know and, and, and we're talking, down, yeah, go, like uh, sleeping, like yeah. yoga, like your breathing techniques, like yeah. knowing that you need to just put the leash on the dog and take the damn thing for a walk and 
That's all you need to do. Yeah, I remember. You I know remember, what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like spend some time with your When you're either survive or thrive. Yeah, you don't, you don't you need to be beating that. the yeah. crap out of yourself all the time. Mm. But yet people are either going hell for leather or doing nothing. Yeah. Well, I remember you actually saying that to me in 2011. I remember we were talking maybe a couple of months after I started and you said to me I was training and I was doing some extras after class and I would do midday class because I used to work at the airport in the morning. I'd come and do midday class and I'd come back in the afternoon if I wasn't playing footy or training for football. And I remember coming in, I was coming in every day, like multiple times a day. And it was like, you know, when, you know, you're still progressing, taking a day where you just come in and stretch for half an hour, 40 minutes and do some mobility. And I was like, really? And I remember doing it a couple of times thinking, oh, I feel fucking great the next day. Yeah. And I thought to myself, shit, okay, maybe, maybe I'm, you know, pulling that, you know, overloading my bucket a bit and I could, you know, do some more holistic approaches or things that are building the whole circle rather than just, you know, output, 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 yeah. and then doing some things to intensify the output, but actually doing something passive. But yeah, I, t- I had a podcast years ago with a uh, group that had an online app, um, personal training app, you know, diet and exercise. They had, I think it was one or 200,000 people completed data into this app every day for a 12 month period. They shared some of that data with me. And that was fascinating because one of the most things that blew my mind was the best results through those hundreds of thousands of people came from the people that had a 40 to 70% compliance. The actual group that was 80 to 100 or 90 to 100% compliance was, oh, they were kind of had some elite stuff. But they found that the group that was 80 to 100% compliant also was the group that was 0 to 20% compliant. As you were saying, that you either they go 100% crazy and then they do nothing but they found the people that were like even 40 percent compliant got the best results compared to someone that was like because they were consistently at 40 percent instantly and some of those were like chew slower today um and other things like they had kettlebells around the house or a chin-up bar in the house and if you couldn't do the chin-up bars hang off it if you see a kettlebell just pick it up and move it to another part of the house chew slower like the very basic things that you could do on every day if you didn't feel like doing anything you just do something those people got the best results. And and that's it. like back to my military days and just rolling with people and people just, they walk around like just with this kind of chilled nature and they're just doing. Yeah. And then when they need to turn it on, damn, they can turn it on. And then others, they're just, they're just, they're a ball of anxiety. Like yeah. they're, they're, they're participating in that space because they don't know what else to do. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. the others... They're just too damn lazy. Yeah, they're just, they're yeah, just not yeah, doing anything. Yeah, yeah. And they need a foot in the ass yeah. to be, and they need some, They need others around them to be the driver, yeah. to, 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 to help provide them. that direction. They're crazy and break themselves and yeah. go back to nothing yeah. again. And, yeah. and, you know, even like a, a mate of mine I've gotten to meet and know over the years, Matty Rogers, like, you know, he played both codes. Yeah, yeah. But, mate, if you ever hang with that bloke, the way he rolls around, it's just so, like, just... Like he's doing, yeah. but it's just in such. There's a calmness to it. Mm. But then I've seen that bloke turn turn it on against you know, similar ages, you know, mid forties against youngsters, and mate, his agility and speed just boom, boom yeah. he turns him inside out. It's hey, awesome. My favorite here. In the yeah, like yeah. His, his nickname's a rat. Like, <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's just that's like, killer. That's killer. Yeah. You know, you know, when you met a cool person, you just like the demeanor, the way that they just approach life on an everyday yeah. basis. You're just like. It's cool, like a vibe, vibe their vibe, mm. you know? Yeah. That's cool, really cool. Well, cool, well, we might wrap it up because it's bloody hot as hell up here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so if um, anyone wants to come do a session at your gym, um, what's the gym called? Get so Get Kamado Fit, yeah. So just, it's it's all, like, well, you know, on uh, on the socials yep. or you can just uh, look up Commando Steve and um, you'll find you it. Know, everything's on that, yeah. that website as well. Killer, cool. So guys, if you're around the Sydney area, you want to come for a, a workout with uh, Steve, um, make sure you get down there. But guys, thanks so much. Episode 19, Fiber Performance Podcast, talking all the cool shit. Um, <laughs> thanks for coming along. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Steve, for coming on. Thanks, James. Thank thanks, mate. <laughs>